health and wholeness and how to walk in that. Obviously, there's something greater than healing itself, and that is not needing to be healed <laughs> because you weren't sick in the first place. So as much as we enjoy the fact that we talk about healing and we all have needed to receive healing at some time from the Lord, of course, the ultimate and the much better is to walk in health and walk in wholeness and, and, and minister healing to others who are sick. And so that's the highest I want for all of you is to walk in divine health. Now, there are different ways of looking at this. I'm not a dietitian, for example, so I'm not going to tell you what to eat. I can just in general say that um, less processed food and more live food is good for you. Uh, but uh, go to a dietitian. I'm not here to pretend to be one. Sometimes preachers pretend to be something that they are not. And they think they're experts on everything, but I don't know all about that. I'm not an exercise expert. I should maybe be more of it. I know a little bit and it, as, it, as, it, as it interacts with the Scripture here. I'll say something about it. But I, I'm a teacher of the Bible. I'm a teacher of Jesus Christ. I teach Him who is the living Word, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to approach it from that angle. There could be other things. There are therapists that teach people different things. And God bless them. I say pay attention to that. But I'm talking about spiritual principles that help you to fulfill your days. So that's what we're dealing with today. And I want you to know I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. I am a teacher of, of the message of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go to an Old Testament scripture in a moment. But first I want to read just two little statements out of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 says, The law, referring to the law of Moses, having a shadow of good things to come. This is a, is a theme throughout the New Testament that the law of Moses, though it has not been fulfilled by Jesus, it had a shadow of things to come. In other words, you, you could see something in the pictures, and that's what we're going to look at today. You know, a, a shadow is a depiction, a reflection of something that's real. You know, Tyna and I went to, I was speaking at the funeral of a dear friend of mine in Arizona, and then we stayed an extra day, went to Sedona. It's such a beautiful place. I've never been there. She'd never been there. So we wanted to see Sedona where all the red rocks are. So we was very close by. So we were just there and we were trekking a little bit in the mountains there. And I just found a bush. I still remember it. I found this bush. It looked so strange and so beautiful. And so, so I was going to take a picture of that bush. I thought that's going to make a great cover for some, something one day. That should be an illustration in, a, in our magazine. And so I took it and then we went on. And then when I went home, uh, looked at it later on that day, you know, uh, the bush didn't look so good because there was a shadow in the bush. It was Tina's shadow. She had, you know, I didn't rest. She'd be standing beside me and her shadow had fallen on that. And, you, and see, I knew right away it was Tina's shadow. I didn't, I didn't have to doubt. Well, whose shadow is that? Not, not just because I know she was standing beside me, because I recognized it. I recognized her shadow. Now, I didn't fall in love with the shadow. You know, shadows are nice. I kind of got excited. I said, oh, maybe that's your shadow. But I didn't like from now on say, I'm going to carry this shadow with me. <laughs> you know, forget about the real thing. I still like the real thing better. And, and so the law has a shadow. It has a shadow of things to come, of good things to come. Uh, and it can give a pretty good description. It says in Colossians 2.17, speaking of the same subject, a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So we always remember when we teach about shadows and pictures and types from the law of Moses, uh, that, that's just a picture of the substance. We have Christ. Christ has come, all right? Uh, but we're going to go to one of those shadows, and we're going to go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 14. 
where it talks about the cleansing of a leper. Now, leprosy in most forms was an incurable disease. So even back there in the third book of Moses, the book of Leviticus, they believed that God healed incurable diseases. And, and so this is something that really transpires after the leper has been cleansed, whether by supernatural means of God or whether the sickness di dissipated. This is what happens after you've been healed. So that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about what were they told in this shadow of Leviticus 14. So I'm going to read some of the verses there. There's much, but I'm going to just try to keep it within the time we have. Le Leviticus chapter 14, verse 2 says, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. So if you've been healed of leprosy under this old covenant, the very first thing you were to do is was to connect with your priest. You see where I'm going with this? Stay connected with your priest. Now, there's a double meaning here because the priest in those days was like a going to the doctor to check up to, to see that you had been cured. But of course, for us, there's a spiritual dimension, and maybe that's the strongest, that when you have received healing, stay connected with your priest. And your priest, he is our high priest forever, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the priest under the old covenant had three functions. The priest, number one, was to release forgiveness for sins. Number two, the priest was to mediate between God and the people so that the people could get to God. They would go through a priest. And number three, the priest was to bless the people. Those are the three functions. And, and the good news is that Jesus Christ fulfills all those functions. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who put away the sins of the world. The whole wide world sins have been put away. And number two, we have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. And number three, he has blessed us, Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, not is going to bless us. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, every blessing. So, so, what it says here is, don't just get healed from your leprosy, but take it serious. Some people, you know, they just want to go and find a healing service where I can get a little touch, get a little something. No, no. This causes you to be more connected with your priest. So I would say, you want to walk in, in health? Stay connected to your healer. And so it becomes like it's you. You're counting on the Lord to heal you. You're saying, I recognize you are my source, Jesus Christ. It wasn't, I'm not going to go to you just when I have a need, when I have a pain and I want to be prayed for. But Christ, I'm staying mindful and connected to you. Then number two in this, second point I've seen this, verify your healing. It says, go to the priest and let them verify your healing. Now, you know the story in Luke 17, and I'm not going to read the whole story to you. I just have one expression from that. You remember the 10 lepers that were healed, and then Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. You remember that part? It is there in that passage, and, and Jesus is there going along with the Leviticus story, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, that was for verification. So I always encourage people, God heals you, you have a sickness diagnosed, try your very best to have it verify the healing. Go and check with your doctor. Say, I want a new exam. I want you to check it again. 
uh, do I still have that sickness? Now, when you do that, and I've encouraged people to do that, and, and I've had enough experience that people tell me sometimes what the doctor said. Sometimes they say, I went to my doctor, and my doctor was honest enough to say, I can't explain this. You had this problem. Now you don't have it anymore. That's a, even if they are Christian or not Christian, that's a person with a big enough heart and a big enough mind to understand, I don't know everything. Others will say, well, you know, you don't have this sickness anymore. Uh, but uh, maybe we had the wrong diagnosis, or maybe you didn't have it in the first place. <laughs> or they might say, well, it seems to be better, but it's not. So they tell you either way, it's good to be, be factual. See, sometimes, especially people who are considering themselves faith people, they miss out on this. They say, I walk by faith and not by sight. I don't need any doctor to tell me. But sometimes they are scared. Maybe the doctor will contradict them. So don't be afraid of getting your healing verified. We're not living in dream world la-la land. We're not imagining something we just imagine and you know, there's no reality in it. No, you can verify healing. Now, let me say what my own experience has been. Sometimes I've been criticized. I was on a television show years ago in Canada. I remember it was on that same show. It was a secular show on CTV or CBC, whatever it was. Can't remember. And I was asked, because we were discussing healing, you know, why don't we follow up every healing? Well, we don't have the staff. We don't have, you can imagine in my life, if I have a, a campaigns in different countries on an average night, we have a hundred people who, maybe thousands who say they were healed, but a hundred people who come to the platform and say, I've been healed. You do that for five, six, seven nights, you have five, six, seven hundred people. I mean, what kind of staff would it take uh, to, to, to follow up everyone uh, of these people, it wouldn't be possible. Now, one time in Bali, Indonesia, we had so many Christian doctors there that we had all medical doctors standing around the platform. And I love that. I've never had that at any other place. We had medical, everybody was not, it wasn't an usher checking the people who have been healed. It was a medical doctor. And I wish I could have brought those uh, Balinese doctors with me. Uh, and you know, so, so when they brought someone up, I said, well, praise God, the doctor has already checked them. Because sometimes the doctor couldn't check it right there. But I'm saying, so I'm not falling for that, that you have to check everybody. If somebody stands up and says, I was blind, now I can see. Well, let the doctor check them. Well, obviously I can test them myself. But I am saying, don't be afraid of having it verified. Walking by faith is not a denial of reality. Walking by faith is to acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done, no matter what the, the doctor says or anybody else says. Whatever contrary voices says, nothing has happened. Walking by faith is not denying reality or facts. It is relying on what Jesus has done in spite of those uh, uh, facts all around you. Leviticus 14.4. And then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, uh, that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water, and dip the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him, who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and let the living bird loose in the open field. This is quite a thing. They took it serious. If you've been healed, it's a serious thing. You've got to go there, and the priest is going to take two birds, and one bird is going to be killed, and they're going to spill the blood, and they're going to dip the other bird in the blood of the bird that was slain, and, and then they're going to sprinkle the blood, and then the bird, who is still alive, is just going to be let loose. Well, I call that, this principle, live in consciousness of the great exchange. In other words, what, what is the priest doing here? He's making a sacrifice. 
one bird is being sacrificed, and the other bird is dipped into that bird that was sacrificed and let loose. Do you see the picture? Jesus Christ died. His blood was shed, and so to speak illustratively, we have been dipped, cleansed in His blood, and thereby set free to fly, fly high, <laughs> be let loose. And so the, the, the person healed of leprosy had a reminder that healing is connected to a sacrifice. And, 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 and it was really an object lesson here. And, and it says, it's, it's said here also that he will let loose, and it was killed over in an earthen vessel over running water. So there was a mixture here of blood and water. Well, you know, without the stripes of Jesus, by his stripes we were healed. There is no divine healing without the stripes of Jesus. But how do we find out about the stripes of Jesus? By the washing of the water of the word. I, I quote to you uh, Ephesians 5:26 that he might sanctify us and cleanse her, being the church, with the washing of water by the word. So water is a picture of the word. But always remember this: when people hear the word, they only think Bible. Now the Bible can be called the Word of God. The better word for it is called it the Scripture. But the Word is the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you can preach and teach the Bible, certain aspects of it, without revealing Jesus. And many often do that. For example, many preachers have an enormous amount of sermons from the book of Proverbs. Because, you know, the book of Proverbs is a book, it's a good one to hit people over the head with. <laughs> because there's a lot of things there that you told you should do, and if you don't do it, you're a fool, an idiot, basically. You're a moron if you don't do this. So if you really want to be a cool preacher, and you really want to hit people and find something, oh, I know they're, they're falling short in this, and they're falling short in this, and therefore you can just go to the good old book of Proverbs. I mean, I listen to some preachers, it seems to be the only book in the Bible they've heard of is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, Proverbs, Proverbs says, and you can really nail people. How many know what I'm talking about? But you know, the point is this, you're not really preaching the Word if you're just quoting Scriptures from Proverbs, because it's a wisdom book, and Christ has become to us wisdom. So you have to be able to see those wisdom principles through the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you really want to help people uh, with the book of Proverbs, with the thoughts there, you must filter those thoughts through Jesus Christ. And so again, here is a reminder for the person who's been healed of leprosy. It, it, a sacrifice is involved. The Word is involved. And it's the written Word and the living Word. So you see here, stay close to your healer. And, and then, and I want to say now, in the light of this pandemic, you know, negative things happen. For example, I have heard, and it's amazing, you know, bad news travels 10 times around the world while good news is still putting its pants on, as you know. It takes a long time for good news to get out. I mean, that's the, we've seen that in this pandemic. I mean, uh, I told you that Sick Children's Hospital came out with a study that actually children aren't carriers, but people still haven't heard that. They heard all the other wrong reports of the experts who were wrong now. They heard all that, and that went around the world 10 times, and we haven't, it's only come from sick kids up to about Eglinton so far you know, that that, that, that that wasn't really so. That, that's, that's the way it is. And so uh, there's a couple of preachers who, who, who uh, 
I don't know, some, some were from the United States, I think some was from the United States, some other place, who got up and said, you know, we, we have been fasting, we've been praying, we've been praying in our church, and COVID-19 is not going to affect us because we've been praying and, and we've been declaring. And then the preacher dropped dead on COVID. You know, when that happens, that goes around the world like this. So then, then people want to throw out the whole thing. Oh, did you hear about, you know, so-and-so? Now, I never heard of him. Well, he's dead, and he's dead. Well, if you look at look at these declarations, I don't give five cents for them. Based on my, I spoke, and I declared, and I did, and we fasted. That's not what he's saying here. It's not what he's saying. And so sometimes people can, like, can drop dead, but I, don't, I would never want you to do that. That's not how you walk in health, by going around just spouting things that are wishful thoughts. No, we are connecting with our sacrifice. I'm not healed because I declared, because I did. I am healed because of what Jesus Christ did. When I was healed myself eight years ago, I just had our eighth anniversary. Tina reminded me of my healing. I never thought for a moment there was anything that I did. It was God's love that was revealed to me. I was healed not because I was thinking right and doing right. I was healed because the love of God was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. So sometimes, you know, these kind of... uh, People, you know, we have had so much teaching about you can design your future with your words. You can just, yeah, you can do that if your words are connected to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did. But if you're just coming up with a bunch of words and being taught that you can shape your future, your future is in your words. No, your future is in what Jesus Christ has done and let your words line up with what he has done rather than trying to just uh, go around spouting things. That might work for a while. You may think it's working, but it's not. So anyhow, so, so live in the consciousness, not of what you have done, but of the great exchange. Okay, let me read a little bit more now. Verse 8 and 9 says, He shall wash his clothes. That's good. Shave his hair, all of it, and wash himself in water. So this is the fellow who has been healed. They don't just go, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, go home and rejoice, tell your friends. It says, no, 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 no. You need to get those dirty clothes off. Wash them. And then shave all your hair. It's actually all the body hair, eyebrows, everything. Let it all go. And then, <laughs> real skinhead. And then uh, wash yourself. After you got the hair off and the clothes wash, wash yourself. But again, I say this is a, a, there's a hygienic aspect to this. You know, just uh, not doing your laundry can make you sick. So that's, uh, we can see that. But I'm leaving that for the other experts. Uh, I'm saying there is a, a, a double picture. There, there, there is the natural, but there's also a spiritual picture. Now that God has revealed his love to you, you've been healed. Now you want to walk in that. And you say, well, what, what, what changes should I make in response to what God has done? Well, what should I do in response to this? How, how should I respond? Maybe, maybe some of those dirty clothes I've been wearing of unbelief and bitterness and unforgiveness, all the things, maybe I ought to stop thinking about that and stop, start thinking about what God has done for me instead. Because maybe some of all that stuff, bitterness, and I couldn't sleep at night because I was so mad at people and all that, maybe that has to go so that you can stay healed. See, the grace of God says here, uh, grace of God, it says in Titus, she says, the grace that brings salvation to all has appeared through Jesus Christ, and that same grace teaches us to live godly. So first comes God's grace, but then there are effects of that. In the same way, when you receive healing from God, you receive God's grace. You could 
doesn't have to be healing, it could be any area. There are effects of that. And you say, well, I'm going to live more godly, not because I have to, not to earn God's gift, but the grace of God came obviously for free. But now that it's come, there are effects of that. And so, uh, you, you see, that's the logic of Romans 5, 17 that we quote so often. If by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And so the logic there is that when you receive abundance of grace, it has an after effect on you. you receive, so you should read that and say, well, I've received abundance of grace. What do I do now? How do I conduct myself now? How do I respond now? Which, which dirty clothes have to go? How do I have to kind of wash myself in the, in the revelation of the Word, which is Jesus Christ? And, and so that's the logic. It's not like by the abundance of grace, you can just kind of go ahead and what matters anyhow. No, it makes us live holy and godly. And then he was to wash himself. Uh, you see, it was an inward change. Leprosy is gone. Leprosy is gone. This inward change brought about an outward change of the washing of the clothes and hair, and you wash yourself and all that. Take the hair off. Uh, and that is the gospel. It's not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. Amen. It's not modify your behavior so that you are suitable to God, and then God as a reward will heal you. That's a lie. Or that will keep you healed. No. The, the idea, first, let God's grace come to you. Let your heart be touched by what God has done for you, and then that will have an outward effect. I mean, there are examples of this, but uh, let, let me go to um, John 5, 14, which is the famous story of the man who had been sick for 38 years. And he gets healed. He's walking. He's been lame. He's picked up his bed. He's walked. So we just fast forward to this 14th verse. Afterward, he's already healed. He's not looking for healing. We're not talking about getting healed, even though I'm going to pray for you if you need healing. But, but we're talking about walking in health and wholeness today, right? We're talking about you have been healed. You have received God's grace. You walk. How do you walk in it? So Jesus said, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, 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 he says, you have been made well. You've been made well. You're healthy. You're healed. You don't need to come to a healing service. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Notice the sequence. See, so many preachers, and some of you probably been exposed to the plague of them in your life, have taught you the very opposite. They have said, first, sin no more. If you want to receive from God, buddy, you got to stop that sinning first. But you say, I can't. I'm hooked. I'm addicted. Well, how is God ever going to bless you? Don't you know that the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost? He's holy, and you're not. So you, you, you fell for that. But that's not the sequence here. No, the full grace has flown. The man who's been sick for 38 years, he's carried his bed. He's healed. He doesn't need any more grace for healing. Now, but after that, sin no more. It's always very important. So when we approach people, we don't say to them, first, you straighten up your life. You make yourself qualified and worthy. No, we say, you receive on the basis of God's love for you. But then when you receive that, you don't want to get into some other mess. You want to kind of say, well, how do I respond to this grace? Maybe I had some things all wrong. You see, so always remember the healing and the blessing comes first. Then God wants us to live sanctified and holy in God. Absolutely. 
Hey, let me give you another verse on this, Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, many preachers have turned this backwards and said, well, first of all, you've got to stop living according to the lust of the flesh. You've got to deal with that lust of the flesh, and then you'll get the Spirit in full measure upon you. That's not what it says here. It says walk in the Spirit. So obviously, the Spirit came first. You, you can't walk in what you don't have. And, 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 and one of the gifts of the Spirit is healing. So you have received of the Spirit. But now, walk in that. Enjoy the Spirit that you have received by grace, which is also the Spirit of grace. And then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's not the other way. That's why so many people, that's why I say sometimes the worst people in the world for, to pray for for healing is Pentecostals. Oh, they are hard nuts to crack. Give me a Catholic, a Buddhist, an Islamic person, even an atheist. I'll take them because at least they stand there and saying like a, they're like a blank piece of paper. They say, well, you know, I'll go along for the moment, whatever you're saying. But a Pente, oh God, help us with the Pentecostals. Because you see, they have got so many teachings about what they must do first to receive that I tell you, you almost have to knock them out. Uh, it's a good thing some of them fall on the floor. The Pentecostals have a tendency to do this. Kind of, maybe they're not thinking so much, you see because it doesn't work like that. So I want to kick that out of you. I want you to be rooted and grounded in love, rooted in the fact that you are healed because of God's love, not because of your performance. Uh, yeah, walk in the Spirit, and you will then not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I kind of read some more now. Um, I'm just skipping a couple of verses, but I'll read here selectively, Luke 14, 10. On the eighth day, the priest shall take two male lambs. Remember, we had two birds. Now we have two lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, and he shall kill the lamb. And it goes on to again, one lamb is killed, one is freed. Uh, it's the same story, so I won't go into the detail. So this is eight days later. So the leper has been healed. He comes to the priest, connects with his priest, and they do the object lesson, if you wish, of the two birds. Eight days later, he has to do it again. Now it's two lambs. But we know that the lamb is a picture of Jesus Christ. Can, can, we, can we go along with that? So here they're repeating it, but just a little different, a little different thing. See, see, somebody said repetition is the mother of learning. So again, it's emphasized again, healing is connected to a sacrifice. It's emphasized again and again and again. And that's why I say to you, it's very important that you're a part of a church, and I believe we are that kind of a church. It comes out throughout. Even when we're teaching whole other messages, we, have, we recognize that Jesus' healing ministry was a very big part of his ministry. So a church should systematically and thoroughly teach this, not just hit it once in a while. And so we are not ashamed to teach that Jesus Christ heals. It's a very big part of Scripture. And it's very important because it's not like, oh, we preach this once. No, you know, Pastor Nathan is a master of coming up with new ways of saying the same thing over again. And that you need that because it needs to be taught again and again. Just because you heard it once doesn't mean you got it. And so to, to walk in divine health, I think we have to kind of say yes to that. I, I, we have to be willing to be humble enough to say, yeah, I, I will show me again. Let there come a fresh revelation. My goodness, you know, say, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm very conscious of time management. I don't want to just sit and hear the same. Well, it, it needs to be shared again and again. That's what we see here in the story of the healing in, in Leviticus 14 of the healing of the leper. 
And so, you know, let me, let me just give you the other side of it. If you don't like to take time to study and, and pursue and be absorbed into the truth of Christ being your healer, try getting sick and going to the doctor. That's the most time-consuming thing in the entire world. Have you ever had to do that? You go there and you wait, and, and nowadays they don't have it, but they used to have like magazines there. They are three years old. You can literally feel the perspiration and the, and the germs jumping off the page. I mean, they kind of, if you, if you turn the page, it kind of feels like it's been marinated in, in human debris of some sort or spittle. I don't know what it is. And, and yet you have to wait and wait and wait. And t- have you ever been there, right? And then you finally get to see the doctor and you have three sicknesses here. We can only deal with one at a time. So we just, which, which one do we, should we deal with your kneecap or your foot or your brain? Which one should we deal with today? And then you have to come back for, go over it again. And then they send you to another specialist and then you need a second report. You're talking about wasting time. You're talking about wasting time. It's a big time waste to be sick. If you want to have a life where you achieve things, stay healthy. And I'll tell you the best investment you can have is a church that teaches systematically and brings it up. It's not an event. It's not a one-time thing. But we believe Jesus heals. I addressed the question why people are not healed, and I talked about different things there and how we, how we look at that. I won't go there again. I touched on it in that story when Jesus said, I am willing. But I'll tell you this. We are lifting people to the level of God's Word. Just because you may fail... You know, just because maybe you're full of grumpiness and maybe King David was grumpy too. I'm not going to teach from the Bible. Oh, it must be okay to be grumpy because David was grumpy. Elijah, the great prophet, he was suicidal. So should we now start saying, well, oh, maybe we should all be suicidal. Maybe that's the will of God. Must be because Elijah was suicidal. So we, we don't jump there, right? But when it comes to healing, people say, well, Timothy had stomach pain. So maybe that's okay then. Maybe it's God's will for him. No, we don't. Humans have experiences. We all have experiences that fell below maybe the very best. But we are lifting people here. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be wealthy for a purpose and wise too. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's my vision for every one of you. Healthy, wealthy, with a purpose. But I had it with a purpose in case you're a technicality guy here now. And wise. Well, see, if you are wise too with the healthy and wealthy, you got it all figured out. I, 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 I want to lift you to that. And so sometimes we think that healing is like a quick fix. I just go and get prayed for. No, let's spend time on it. And we learned that from here, uh, how this leper was to walk in wholeness and health. Let, let's go to the verse 14. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and that offering is described there. And the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. I'm telling you, they didn't take healing of leprosy lightly here. It wasn't like, okay, uh, say a prayer, go your way, buddy. We'll see you next week. No, no, it was like, we're going to take some of the blood of this trespass offering of the lamb, and we're going to put it on your right ear. Ooh. Yeah, blood on your right ear. And then you have on your thumb and on your right foot. And the big toe. Not the little toe. Big toe. So what do I say this? Well, you're marked. So I say walking in health and wholeness. Live a marked life. He was marked. His ear was marked. Ear speaks of hearing. The message I think is pretty clear. 
some of the things you have listened to, you've listened to every negative voice that has come into your life for the last 50 years. Now that you've been healed and God's grace has come to you, why don't you apply the blood of Jesus and His sacrifice and what He has done to what you allowed to come into your ears? Because, you know, we can encourage sickness. I, I've sometimes told the story, it comes back to me now, I might as well tell it. You know, when I was a little boy, which is a couple of years ago, I was living in Sweden. My, my grandfather had been a cowboy in Wyoming, but somehow through long-term events, he ended up in Sweden, and he married my grandmother, and they had a little country store. And I would spend my summers with my grandfather and grandmother in the country store. And he, at the age of six, I was running the store while he had his uh, sleep from two to three in the afternoon, because he was like pretty old for a grandpa. He was like, he could have been my great-grandpa. Uh, but because he had started late, late in life having children. So, of course, you know, he was all old. But anyhow, I had a lot of fun being with Grandpa. But also in those days, you know, uh, baking. Some people don't do it. They just go to the store and buy cookies. But my grandmother, she would have one baking day a week just baking cookies. We always had seven kinds of homemade cookies in the cupboards. There I mean, had to be seven kinds. So maybe one week they would bake two or three or four kinds, and then the next week the alternate ones, so we kind of had them on a rotation. And she baked bread. It was a big, big operation. Then the next day, after the baking day, then all the other ladies would come from the neighborhood, and they would have like a little coffee get-together at about 11 o'clock in the morning. It was kind of a morning break. And I still remember those ladies in my grandmother's kitchen, they were in a competition describing their aches and pains and sicknesses. It was one worse than the other. I, I don't, I mean, it was like I've been to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, this is a rare thing. Very few people we ever treat with this sickness. And they would go on and on. And then the other one would butt in and says, well, that may be bad, Bertha, but I tell you, uh, you know, I, I have a sickness that I'm one of the only three cases in the whole country that has had this. And, and they were gone. It was almost like there was one upmanship. And they were talking. And of course, you know, it was almost like it was a glory thing. The more sick you were, the worse you were. Everybody would go, oh, and oh. You know, when you... <laughs> I wish I would have known this teaching. I would have jumped up there at the age of seven or eight and given them a lesson, but I didn't know that. I'm just saying that watch what you listen to, filling your, your, your ear with all kinds of things. So, so live a marked life. I've been hel I'm healthy. I'm whole. Jesus' grace has come to me. I, I have, and, and, so, and then my thumb, your thumb speaks of action. You know you cut off your thumb. You know, you know your hand is only so good without the thumb. It must give you the grip. So let your action. The things you do. The, the big toe to me speaks of, uh, on the right foot, speaks of a lifestyle, where you're going, where you're heading in life. And, and, and so don't, we don't regress into doubt and unbelief, but we are conscious, I was bought with a price. I'm a marked person. I'm called by God. I'm conscious of my calling. I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm a marked woman. I'm a marked man. Believe that. See yourself like that. Are you a marked person or are you just like an average Joe? Are you, are, you, are you marked? Do you have a destiny on your life? Behave like it. That's a good response to healing, to walk in health and wholeness. And then, I'm going to keep reading here now. Verse 17 and 18. And of the rest of the oil, because then they bring out the oil. Uh, 
and the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the blood. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand shall he put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. I mean, this is an operation. This is an operation. Now you say, okay, we, we, we did that eight days later. We did the sacrifice of the lamb, and then we did the thing with your blood. Now we're going to take oil. And so the priest has this log of oil, and he puts some on the head, and he puts it on top of the blood, on the, on the finger, and, on the, and on, the, on, on the ear, and on the big toe. I don't apologize that we keep teaching healing and preaching that Jesus heals, and we're going to keep talking about it because we love you enough. We don't want you to die prematurely. Amen. You know, we, we don't want you to die. Oh, you know, these preachers who say, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. Well, I think that's a very uncaring statement. No, God heals. God is the same. But I want you to, 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 to kind of just, so, so here, of course, the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of a principle. The blood of Christ is applied. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes. You know, it's like you can follow the church calendar. You have Easter and then Pentecost. So the blood had to be shed for a new covenant. And then um, the, the, this, this covenant is a covenant of the Spirit. So the Spirit would come. We can make that individually. In, in other words, I say the principle here, count on the Holy Spirit as your helper. Count on the Holy Spirit as your helper. And, and you see, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be our helper. John 15, 26 says that the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will remind you of all things. He will remind you of all things. And, uh, you know, He's a good reminder. I, in fact, I'll give you a little testimony. This morning, He reminded me. I was up early. I'm up early, early, early. And uh, I was sitting outside. Cause it wasn't that warm, but it was warm enough. And, uh, and so I, had a little, I was a little discouraged. I was a little discouraged in the night about something. I was a little discouraged. I read something somebody had written, and I, I was a little bit mad about it. I was discouraged. And I felt a little bit personally discouraged. And then so I was sitting there thinking about you. Isn't it nice that I'm thinking about you? I thought, I'm going to have a healing Sunday today. I'm going to go and preach, and I'm going to teach in the afternoon. So I'm sitting there literally this morning, about 6 a.m. I'm sitting there, and I have my head in my, in my hand. And I said, oh, God, speak to me just from the Bible. I know I shouldn't ask you to just turn in the Bible or whatever. Speak, speak to me. So I said, okay, I'll give it a try. This is this morning. And I said, well, I'll, I'll open. So I opened it up. But it was kind of a, you know, it was a little dark, a little cloudy. And all I could see, I had opened up to the Gospel of Mark. So I just put it down. And then I, I don't know, I got sidetracked by something and some bird or something. And I looked there. And, and, and then I got back and said, well, let's see if there's anything come out of Mark that'll help me here in my misery. And you know, while I looked aside, the wind had caught the pages. And it had moved to Galatians. So I wasn't in the market anymore. So whatever I had turned to, I wasn't there anymore. I said, now we're in Galatians. I said, I didn't see that happen. So I said, okay. So and the first, I just looked down. What's the first verse? And you know what came to me? He said, he said, I did not put myself under subjection for even an hour that the truth of the gospel might remain. I thought, that's for me. 
I have allowed myself to be a little influenced by negative voices that I read in some article, and, and, and I put myself, should a man such as I be subject to negative thoughts like this when I know the gospel, and I know what Jesus Christ has called me to do and what he's called you to do, and I felt so good. I, I don't want to super spiritualize it, but somehow the wind the wind blew the pages, and it landed on that. You ought to say the same thing. I believe the Holy Spirit helps us. You ought to say, should a person such as I subject myself to all kinds of negativity, and should a person such as I subject myself to all kinds of fear, even for an hour? Even though I felt I'd been subjected for at least three hours by that time. But anyhow, I said, okay, I'll skip the one-hour part. It's about time I wake up now. I should have done that two hours ago. Should a person such as I, like Nehemiah said, you know, when they told him, oh, you know, you should just go and hide because there's so many things going on and it's so bad right now, you better go and hide. And he said, should a man such as I flee? That's for other people, not for me. The Holy Spirit helps us. So I, I hope these are some thoughts that can help us to walk in wholeness. I go back to what I started with. You may still have to Read some book by a dietitian. You may still have to figure out how to move the flesh in a little bit of exercise. You may still, I'm so glad I have a dog. One of the reasons I got a dog, now we keep the dog because we love our dog. We are, we, we're dog lovers, Tina and I, so we're not ashamed of that. If you're not a dog lover, you don't understand what we're talking about, but if you are, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, they said in Washington, if you want a friend, get a dog. Uh, it's true, I was resting here before the service. She's resting at my feet with her one paw over my right foot. I love it, we're just, you know. But, but I got the dog because I thought, it's so easy for me to be sedentary. I need to get out and run a little bit. So get a big dog. If you want to just a company, get the little tiny dog. Get one of the little tiny ones that you can carry in your pocket, in your pocket and bring on the fair. But I needed to get a big dog. And yesterday, Friday, I was out running with my dog. Yeah, I do run a little bit, very slowly. It's not worth calling running. But I was running a little bit. But my dog and, 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 and his people came. And the man said, my son has a dog, a big husky. But, but that one won't run. He just lays down and refuses to move. Don't get one of those dogs. I feel like the Holy Spirit brought me a dog who is spunky like anything. I mean, at four o'clock in the afternoon, I've been studying, working, studying in the Word, studying, preparing, writing. My dog jumps up on me, puts her paws on me, and looks at me. And she's, what she's saying is, you need to move the flesh. Get out of here. We need to get out and move around you and I. And I said, thank you, Lord. Even though I said, can you just wait till I finish this one thought? I get it. It's a paragraph. I almost got it together, so I have to. But, but she's just there. That's good. That's good. I'm not saying you don't need to do some of those things, but I'm not an expert on that. I'm teaching how a leper was to continue to walk in health and wholeness, and we can learn from that. You know what walking in the Spirit is? Well, it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's using the name of Jesus, and there's a revelation of Him who is the Word, the living Word, Jesus Christ.